front desk, chapter 46. I wore my jeans to school every single day and every evening I put them in the washer and waited around in my pajamas while they dried. I didn't dare let them out of my sight. I was waiting around for my jeans to dry one night when Hank ran into the laundry room. It was the day before Thanksgiving and he had the biggest smile on the face on his face that I've ever seen. You're looking at the new security guard down at the mall, he said proudly. Oh my God, I shrieked. It worked, the letter worked, he said. Confetti cannons went off inside me. You know what else worked? Your letter, he added. I immediately tensed up. Was he mad? Hank chuckled and patted me on the back. It was bold, I'll tell you that much, he said. But hey, they bought it. Phew. How did you find out? It was the first thing they asked me about. Tell me about your work work experience as security guard at the Calavista, he said. And what'd you say, I asked him. I said, I'd never worked with nicer people, he said, and I meant it. I smiled. Can you believe that? Hank said, shaking his head. What possessed you? I took his hand and led him over to the front office, where I grabbed Lupe's card, the one that said, you can't win if you don't play. I handed it to him. Hank looked down at the card and pulled me in for a big bear hug. That Thanksgiving, we invited all the weeklies into the manager's quarters to celebrate. It was our first real Thanksgiving, and even though my mom didn't know how to make a turkey, she knew how to make turkey sandwiches and buy pre-made apple pie from Ralph's. Hank brought cherry tomatoes from his tomato plant, too. As the sweet and tangy smell of apple pie and cherry tomatoes and buttery toast filled with the manager's quarters, we all went around the table and said what we were thankful for. I'm thankful for your mom's. I'm thankful your mom's okay, my dad said, his eyes smiling at my mom. Here, here, everyone agreed. I'm thankful for my new job, Hank said. He raised his cream soda to me and said, thank you, Mia. I smiled. What about you, Mia? Mrs. Q asked. What are you thankful for? I looked at everyone, at all the love in the room. I'm thankful for you guys, I said. Front Desk Chapter 47 With Hank making money again, we no longer had to hide him. Mr. Yao was baffled when he found out what happened. How did the deadbeat sneak back in here? He wanted to know. Still, money was money, and Mr. Yao was happy to take Hank now that he had it. Hank was happy too, for it meant he could roam around the motel freely again. When I got home from school, I found him sitting up on the roof with Lupe's dad. What you doing up there, I called. I was just helping Jose here with his tools, Hank said. I looked at Jose, who seemed very happy to have some company up there on the roof. Want to hang out at the desk, Hank asked. No, it's okay, I said. Stay, I'll get you guys some sodas. As Hank and Jose sipped sodas on the roof, I went back to the front desk. There were four messages waiting for me. Aunt Ling, Uncle Zhu, Aunt Ping, Uncle Yang had called to say that they went by the addresses I gave them, but none of them had seen the missing Thunderbird. That meant we were down the final address, the home of Mrs. Robinson. Oh God, I hope they don't find the car there. Sometimes when I wanted something really bad, I'd ask myself what I would be do. I would be willing to give up for. For example, when I was waiting in the hospital that day, my mom got beat up. I asked myself what I would be willing to give up for my mom to be okay. I decided I was willing to give up the essay contest. I'd rather be stuck on a bad roller coaster with my mom than on a good roller coaster all by myself. Today, as I thought about Mrs. Robinson and what I would give it for her to not be it, I looked down at my new jeans. I decided I would be willing to give these up to just prove that Mr. Yao was wrong. I looked up from my jeans to see a Chinese man running into the motel. He came by foot. He didn't drive a car, which was odd for California. As soon as my mom saw him, she dropped her mop. Zhao Zhang, she cried. Zhao Jing, he exclaimed, the warmth of their affection coming through in their greeting. Zhao means little in Chinese and was something you called your friends. They hugged each other and jumped with joy. 
At dinner, I learned that Uncle Zhang and my mom used to work together in China. They were both engineers. Uncle Zhang was one of the best engineers we had. He can fix televisions in 30 seconds, my mom said, picking up a slice of ham with her chopsticks and adding them to his plate. Well, more like a minute, Uncle Zhang said. He and my mom laughed. So when did you get here, my dad asked. About a year ago, Uncle Zhang said. My mother asked him what he had been doing. That's when Uncle Zhang dropped his chopsticks. I don't know how to say this, but I... He shook his head. What? My mom said. What is it? Uncle Zhang's eyes watered. Oh, Ying. I'm in an awful mess, he said quietly. Slowly, he began to tell us what happened. Shortly, he came to America. He got a job working in the kitchen. The employer was an American guy who told all the workers that their passports and IDs would be safer with him. So he took them all right. Without their passports and IDs, the workers had no way to leave. Month after excruciating month, they put up with long hours, toiling away in the hot kitchen with virtually no pay. We work 18 hours a day from 6 a.m. to midnight. We only get one day off a month, Uncle Zhang said. At night, Uncle Zhang and the other workers slept at the employee's house in the basement with no windows. I'm basically a slave, he cried. I only got out today because immigration came and raided us, so everyone had to flee through the secret tunnels. What secret tunnels, I asked. He told us that inside the restaurant, there was a closet in the kitchen with a white apron. Behind the white apron, there was a button. If you pushed the button, the closet wall would open and you could crawl out. The secret tunnel led to hiding places and directly outside. We never thought it would happen today, but immigration showed up, Uncle Zhang said. As soon as the immigration officers walked through the door, one of the waitresses came into the kitchen, put in an order for ice fried rice. That was the code word. One by one, Uncle Zhang and the other workers slipped inside the closet and crawled out through the tunnels. When I got out, I kept looking up at the sky so vast and blue, Uncle Zhang said. It's been ages since I'd seen the light of day. And how did you manage to find us, my mom asked. Oh, that part was easy. Every Chinese waiter up and down the coast of California knows about this place. Look out for the blue cap, they say. You guys are famous, Uncle Zhang said with a wink. Then Uncle Zhang's face fell and he got real quiet. But I have to go back. They still have my passport and my ID. My mom shook her head. There's got to be something we can do. Uncle Zhang shook his head right back. It's my own fault, he said. I should have never taken the job in the first place. Why did you? Because I was desperate. Uncle Zhang swallowed hard. I got into some trouble with some loan sharks. Front Desk Chapter 48 Uncle Zhang borrowed $500 from some loan sharks when he first came to America, just as Uncle Ming had. It wasn't even for myself, it was for my mom back home. She was very sick and I thought, I thought, he could barely finish. You thought maybe if you paid for an expensive doctor, she might get better, my dad said, glancing at my mom. My mom slipped her hand into his. Uncle Zhang shook his hand, shook his head. It wasn't even that, she had stage four cancer. It had already spread, there was nothing they could do, he said. So then, his eyes grew moist, his voice shaky. I borrowed the money so she could die knowing her only son was okay out there, that I had made it to America instead of the loser. Uncle Zhang started crying. Listen to me, you're not a loser, my dad said. None of us knew it was going to be like this. I couldn't even say goodbye, Uncle Zhang bit down on his lower lip. I was afraid if I called her, she'd hear it in my voice how much I was struggling, so I refused. No matter how many times she asked for me in the end, I refused to get on the phone with her. My mom put a hand on Uncle Zhang's shoulders. None of us said a word. I sat very still thinking about my own secrets that I was keeping from my parents, my missing pen, my missing pencil, the C minus lurking in my closet. I thought about my parents and how they always never wanted to call or write to my grandparents or Shen's family. And if we called them, my mother always rushed off to the phone. 
rushed to get off the phone. Either that or she'd put on the same voice she used at Macy's when she was just looking. As the hazy sky turned into night, my parents, Uncle Zhang, and I gazed out the window, thinking of all the things we wanted to say to our parents but couldn't. In the middle of the night, I got out of bed and went over to my mom and my dad's bed. My dad was snoring peacefully. I hesitated for just a second. He got a little sleep, my dad, before shaking him awake. Dad, I whispered. Huh? Did a customer come? He asked, jerking his eyes open and sitting up. I'll be right there. No, Dad, it's just me, I said. I can't sleep. I keep thinking about Uncle Zhang and his passport. I know, my dad sighed. Me too. What's he going to do? I don't know, honey, my dad said. Hopefully he can meet someone soon who can help him. Like who? A lawyer, maybe, my dad said. What can a lawyer do for him, I asked. My dad thought about it. A lawyer will be able to tell his employer what's what, he said. Well, why can't we tell people what's what, I asked him. He chuckled. We can, sweetheart, but no one's going to listen to us, he said. That's not true, I thought. Hank's new employer, he listened. My dad rolled back on his side. There's nothing you can do, sweetheart, he says. Now try to get some sleep. I went back to my room, but I didn't get some sleep. Instead, I pulled out a piece of paper from my drawer and Mrs. T's big old dictionary thesaurus, which I still had from when I wrote Hank's letter. With a flashlight, I started writing. Dear employer, I am writing to you about the employee of Zhang Chilling. Mr. Zhang has told, has informed me that you have, cross that out, are in possession of his passport and ID. It is wrong, cross that, illegal to take away cross that confiscate someone's passport and id you gotta give it back cross that i request your quick immediate return of mr zhang's passport and id if you do not you'll be sorry cross that failure to do so will result in big trouble cross that serious consequences and don't lie and say you did because i'm going to ask mr zhang cross that i will be asking cross that following up with Mr. Zhang to see if you have returned his passport and ID. Thank you for your attention. Sincerely, Mia Tang, lawyer. I worked on the letter all night long, making sure the tone, punctuation, and syntax was all right. I read it over five times, and when I was sure I had corrected all the grammatical mistakes, I copied it onto a clean sheet of white paper. Before I left for school, I handed Uncle Zhang the letter. This is for you, I told him. I don't know if it'll work, but it's worth a shot. I watched as his eyes dance across my writing. You wrote this, he asked? Well, I had a thesaurus, I said. Mia, this is incredible, he said. I blush. I hope it works for you, Uncle Zhang, I said, hugging him. Me too, he said, clutching the letter. Me too. Front Desk, Chapter 49 After Uncle Zhang left, we got a call from one of the other immigrants. He had been over to Mrs. Robinson's house, and the stolen neon green Ford Thunderbird was not there. I looked down at my lucky jeans and thought, phew. With the car officially nowhere to be found, I felt it was only appropriate I personally tell the owner, Mr. Lorenz. So I opened up the ledger, looked up his phone number, and gave him a call. When he didn't pick up, I glanced at his address and was surprised to see that he lived right here in Anaheim, a couple of blocks from my school, actually. So after school, Lupe and I went over to his house. Mr. Lorenz lived in a small yellow house on Orange Avenue. We walked up and knocked on the door. Hello, Mr. Lorenz, I called. Anyone home? Lupe cupped her hands and tried to peer through the window. We heard rustling and footsteps. Finally, the door opened and cracked. Who's asking? Mr. Lorenz said. It's me, Mia, the girl from the Calavista, where your car got stolen, I said. And this is my friend Lupe. Lupe waved at Mr. Lorenz. Hey, she said. Can we come in? I asked him. 
Mr. Lorenz didn't let us ride in. He paused to think about it, and then, finally, he sighed and undid the chain to his door. His house had a funky smell, like someone had been cooking stinky tofu and forgot to open the windows. Lupe wrinkled her nose as we took a seat in the couch. This better be quick, Mr. Lorenz said. Don't worry, this will only take a minute, I said. I just wanted to come over and tell you personally that we didn't find your car. That's okay. The insurance company has already copped up, has comped me, he said. I know, but still, it's important, you know. Is that it, Mr. Lorenz snapped? Just then, we heard a loud vroom. A car came speeding down the road and parked right in front of Mr. Lorenz's house. We glanced out the window. Our eyes stretched when we registered the color, neon green. Hey, isn't that, Lupe asked. Yes, yes, it was. It was the neon green Thunderbird. The neon green Thunderbird. The driver of the car got up, walked up to the house. He turned the doorknob. Hey, man, you said the car was in perfect condition, but the windshield's got all these dents in it, the guy said, tossing the keys to Mr. Lorenz. Then he looked at us. Who are you? He asked. We're just, Lupe said. Leaving, I announced. I grabbed Lupe's hand and lunged for the door, but Mr. Lorenz was quicker than me. He slammed the door shut with one hand. Not so fast, he said. Where do you think you're going? Home, I said. I glanced at Lupe, sweat beads falling like a raindrops from my forehead. We gotta go home and do our homework, right, Lupe? Yeah, we have a lot of homework. And when you're done doing your homework, what are you going to say? Mr. Lorenz asked. He leaned into us. I could feel the hairs rising on my neck. About what you saw. My breath caught my throat. Nothing, I said. I didn't see anything. Me neither, Lupe said. He stared at us desperately. I tried to erase my thoughts so he couldn't read them. Good, he said. His wet lips twisted into a smirk. He crouched down and whispered in our ears, breathe a word about this to anyone and I will come and find you. The threat grabbed me and smothered me as I ran all the way home.